hey, it's the summer and we're not going to be doing podcasts every single week because it's the summer. So if you want to know when there is a new podcast, please, well, you can either just subscribe to the podcast and like a podcast subscriber, you get all the new ones or follow at Stack Podcast on the Twitters and we'll let you know when there are new episodes over the summer. Thanks. You didn't do the wavy thing with your hands. You're supposed to. It was. Yeah, this is a podcast. It's only audio. Well, you still get in the mood, didn't you? Didn't you study just, the? Just, just let's just go. David, you're a terrible method actor. This is the Stack Overflow Podcast, episode 113, recorded Thursday, July 20th, 2017, at Stack Overflow headquarters in New York City, where more than 8 million people live in peace and enjoy the benefits of democracy, and where the skyline is always rising, which is also why 70% of our public sidewalks are covered by scaffolding at all times. We're the city that never sleeps, but always drips. Today's podcast is brought to you by Stack Overflow Channels, everything you love about Stack Overflow in a private space just for your team. Sign up today at stackoverflow.com slash channels to learn more or get your team in line for the beta before all the good channels are gone. We're also brought to you by Pandora Premium. Only Pandora Premium has the power of the Human Genome Project and 80 trained musicologists, allowing it to instantly create unlimited customized playlists powered by your passions, many of which last for up to 13 or even 14 minutes before repeating the same six songs again in a tedious permanent loop. On today's podcast, we have our usual crew, VP of Engineering, David Fullerton. Hi. Producer and sometime co-host, Jess Pardue. Hi. News editor, Alana Itsaki, back from Reunion. Hello. Welcome. And joining the regular gang in the studio today, we also have our very own Matt Sherman, Engineering Manager here at Stack Overflow. Hello. And our guest this week is Anthony James, developer, proud University of Missouri, I say it that way so they'll think I'm native, graduate, and co-founder and CEO of Linux Academy. Thanks for being here, Anthony. Ah, thanks for having me. Our board of directors is in town this week. Please be nice to them if you bump into them. So Joel's busy talking to them about future plans to build Stack Overflow, but for people suing Uber. As <laughs> such, I'm your host, Jay Hanlon, Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the sword that seals the darkness, and VP and General Manager of Stack Overflow. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. It's good to have I've you. I've been meaning to ask you about that Lord Commander of the Night's Watch thing. I was wondering if you had any openings. Well, this thing about joining. there are some things you need to understand. You give up your rights to own land. We'll talk later. We'll talk later. You might get stabbed. Oh, my God. That we was have... a long time ago. Oh, Come on. Okay. Come okay. on. We will later revisit rules of how society built itself Everybody to this dies level. at least once. <laughs> All right. So it's good to be back. First off, we have two extremely important pieces of follow-up from last week. We're going to pretend we care about the topics we talk about and have follow-up now. First off, we had someone in the comment field suggest that we had just yanked the 8 million quote for New York City off of a television show from the late 70s and perhaps should update it. That may be true. I don't really know. I just pasted it from the old card to the new card, but it turns out it's right. Just over 8 million. There are 8.538 million people in New York City. It turns out New York City is super full, and so it can only grow up, and it isn't growing all that fast. Our second important piece of follow-up information, how weird was the reunion, Alana? Welcome back. It was great. It was what? great. It was like walking into a time warp. Everybody said I look exactly the same, so that made me feel really great. That, that, <laughs> that does not shock me. I feel like that is a plausible, plausible thing for someone to believe. Yeah, I had a great time, though. You can't see Alana, but she looks like a lovely, say, 16, 17-year-old. It's, it's pretty much, it made all makes 
Well, welcome back. It's good to have you. Thank you were you. missed. Thank you. I mean, to be clear, Jess did an amazing job while you were out. Also true. We appreciate you I'm glad you, you took the reins. Oh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which, of course, brings us to one of our best segments, the Joel slash David slash co-host, in this case, Matt's rant. My understanding is Matt instead has a statement he wishes to read about the idea of the rant or some form of minor protest? Well, no, it's not even a protest. Well, that would be a rant if I were protesting the rant. See, now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. It's all very meta around here. No, I was telling Alana earlier, I was trying to think of a rant. I don't have much to complain about, to be honest. We're all just so lucky to be here, honestly. Aww. Are you... We're never having you on the it's show again. It's all just so <laughs> yes. unlikely that we would be here. So most things are good, except computers. Computers are awful. <laughs> computers are terrible. I've spent the last week, people within earshot of me have heard me complaining about computers. So I can say that computers are... All computers. All computers. Or just your computer. Well, I consider my computer representative. Is it possible that it is actually an effect that you have on the computers around you? Mm, that seems unlikely. That seems unlikely. I think humans are by and large perfect. So... <laughs> So it All seems problems are computer it, problems. I feel like yeah, you're, it is you're limiting your sample problem. size to this room, and you have to expand it to make a statement like <laughs> I that. I see, I see. So, uh, yeah, I, if I do have a rant, yeah, no, computers are unbelievably crude, I think. Crude. I've, I've come to, yes, they are crude. They are bad at doing what they do. It's in many ways like medicine. It's miraculous <laughs> how far we've gotten, uh, and it's also amazing how crude it is at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, the whole just applying random chemicals we barely understand to have reactions that we think are probably good, but who knows what they do in the long term. Well, there's that, yes, but stuff that does work. So medicine that does work is kind of miraculous. The likelihood of like so much of what we do medically is compared to a thousand years ago, orders of magnitude better. But at the same time, every, you know, you go another hundred years and what we're doing right now is going to seem incredibly Ancient. crude and right, cruel right. and... And awful. My wife know? just started a new medication. I won't, I won't say what it is, but the doctor in giving it to her literally described it saying, nobody really understands how it works, but it's great. It has this effect. Okay, sure. That's machine learning. <laughs> Are you sure in other she, words, she yes. should be taking this? Yeah. Yeah. It was a little worrying, really. That was not really the kind of thing you want to hear from your doctor. Not very reassuring. Yeah. Not yeah. to be a Debbie Downer, but my mom was telling me that she was just put on a new medication. She's also been battling stage four metastatic breast cancer for 14 years. But the new medication that the oncologist put her on may also cause cancer. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. Right. So it's a hard topic to joke about, but there's lots of side effects you might endure for cancer treatment. Cancer is a hard one to accept as a, I assume, at a lower Possible risk, at a effect. much lower risk is the, well, I'm sorry. I really like uh, your medicine to not have a side effect of the disease you're suffering yeah. from. Are we going to gloss over that Matt, when asked to bring a rant, tried to position himself as like the guy who is just too appreciative, too sunny, <laughs> too sort of embracing of all there is that is glorious in the world, and then went on to say, except that all technology is crude and stupid <laughs> and we're entitled to better, and modern medicine is an embarrassment. Just, sure. I just want to... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I think, okay. That's, I think that's right. Well, one of the reasons I joke about computers is what I make my living on and I have for Not a long jokes, time. Right? You, it you, seem that way. you yeah. made your living yeah. on it uh, before, right, before this right. podcast. We have to have a conversation right after <laughs> that's this right. podcast. That's right. Anyway, so that's my analogy. I think computers on the one hand are miraculous. You look at them, you understand them at all, and you think to yourself, this should not work. This is so <laughs> unlikely that this would work. And yet you pick Especially up Especially hard drives. Hard drives, the more you learn about hard drives, the more it shouldn't possibly. There's no work. way it should work. That shouldn't work. CPUs should not work. The screen should not work. And yet here we are, we got the sum total of human knowledge in your pocket. You walk around, you flip, and it scrolls, and you get your Facebooks and all that. And it all does work. And at the same time, I find them incredibly frustrating. So it's a huge sort of foundation of miracles that we're on right now. 
And at the same time, I find them very frustrating miracles. Frustrating miracles. They frustrate. Well, that's that's a lot. actually a yes. pretty good summary of modern technology. I yeah. just want to point out that Matt's description of technology and computers in particular is completely indistinguishable from my Aunt Dory's, who believes that technological innovation should have been cut off just prior to the answering machine and won't use one of those. No, damn no, we things. want the miracles, it's... but we recognize that they're frustrating. In any case, thank you for that. In incredibly different type of rant that went from light to dark to, to miraculous again, mm -hmm. which I believe brings us to David. Do you have a one minute tech review for us? I do. I actually have a new piece of technology this week. I got a new phone that recently released OnePlus 5, which is a confusing name. What? Is it not Why don't the 6? Yeah. OnePlus 5. It was even more confusing. The first version was the OnePlus 1. They're now wait, up to their wait, fifth wait, version. Yeah, the OnePlus is always the same. And then the number at the end keeps going up. So this is now the fifth sorry, one. I don't mean to be a pedant, but the first version should have been the OnePlus Zero. <sighs> That's a great point. Yeah, I'm sorry. I did... It's possible there was a secret version. I don't know. Anyway, the phone, actually very nice. Why is it in colorblind mode? Uh... This is a visual joke that no one's going to get. It yeah. has diagonal stripes all over That's it. That's the case. As a, as opposed We're to... not here to review the case, oh. Jay. Oh, why'd you pick that case? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't care. Go on. Jeez. Go on about your phone. Yeah, it's just a one-minute tech review. It's a very nice phone. I think you made a one-plus-minute tech review. One-plus, <laughs> thank you. One-plus-minute tech review. Great phone, nice screen, excellent camera, and a very good price off contract. $540 for the 128-gigabyte model. Do you have a referral link or anything for people? I, I probably do, <laughs> actually, that I should get in there. I'm very happy with it. Okay. There you go, folks. If you're Oh, wait, in... no, I've got one thing. Yeah, don't wait. And I need to rant to Before you buy it, yes, hang on. Let's... Don't press buy it. Hold on. They decided to implement the silencing the phone feature. They decided turning down the volume until it switches to silent was too intuitive. So they decided to implement silencing the phone as a separate slider on the side of the phone. So to silence the phone, you can no longer just turn the volume all the way down until it shuts up. You actually have to go to a different slider and remember to flip that up to silent. Wait, a slider or a switch? It's a three-position little oh. slidey switch on the side that goes from regular volume, oh, got it. regular no make noise, to do not disturb, to silent. And you're telling us that in order to take the volume down, you need to move the switch. Yes, oh, in fact, silly. which is also confusing. So some people say they like it because you can like flip it in your pocket to silent, but I, you can also turn the volume down in your pocket, which is not that hard, Agreed. and yeah. I found far more intuitive. So that I had to look up what the heck, how to turn it to silent. I had to Google it because I literally could not figure it out. Also, oh, he, this is even worse. Because it's a physical switch, you cannot do it in software, which is absurd. That's interesting, too. So there's no UI for this. You can pull down the sound menu, Wait, but, but you cannot silence it except by flipping the stupid physical switch on the does side. Does it give you an arrow pointing to the switch, at least, when you flip down the little no, volume thing? No, no, no. no there's I nothing wonder, about the product that told me how to do this. I had to Google it and find the answer. I assume the iPhone has all these products. It, thankfully, it's only one switch, a three-position switch. That small is terrible. But it also has, the, it has that switch where, actually, super confusingly, if it's all black, it means it's going to make loud noises. And when it turns bright red, it's silent. Anyway, David doesn't like the Switch, but he likes the phone, so... No, no, and the Nintendo Switch is great. I've that's reviewed true. that in a previous episode. That, that's true. You can refer back to episode number, I don't remember, and you still can't buy one because they are still too unavailable. All right, then. Thank you, David, for your one-minute tech review, which brings us to the best part of most podcasts, and that it is not us saying idiotic things, our developer story. Welcome again, Anthony James. It's good to have you here. I appreciate that. It's good to be here. So I always like to start out with the same question, which is tell me a little bit about how did you first get started writing software? What pulled you in at your youngest? I was actually 15 years old. And what had happened was I had a friend up the street 
And he was starting to dabble in that a little bit older, and I just got a little bit interested. And took some wrong paths, started off with ASP.net at that time, couldn't afford to do anything with it. You know, hosting back then was expensive, the software tools were expensive, and then so really kind of took a jump over to PHP. And the wrong turn there was the ASP.net, not PHP. Is that what you're, is that what you're well, saying? Well, it depends on the decade you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> so for sure, it's modified since then. Multiple languages and our microservices architecture. But, you know, back then, PHP 4 was pretty good. Object-oriented programming wasn't exactly, a, not necessarily a huge standard in web, or at least so my 15-year-old self would say that. But yeah, and then uh, ended up started working at an internet service provider, one of those mom-and-pop internet service providers where there was four people there. They did all of the hosting inside of this little retail shop, and that's when we first started getting into Linux and then writing some other software on there. And uh, it was uh, started up pinehead.com back then as well. So that really got me rolling on uh, learning development with MySQL and BHP4. So what was pinehead.com, if you don't mind sharing? Absolutely. So pinehead.com was a, really, if you want to consider it this, kind of the pre-version of what Linux Academy is today. Sorry, did you say it was a perversion of Linux Academy? Let's make sure it's pre-version. Pre yeah, sorry, sorry. That's better. That's better. It, arguably, it could be better. I let the domain go, and it's squatted, arguably. but... Uh, PerversionLinuxAcademy.com <laughs> is the least popular porn site on the internet, to my understanding. <laughs> Pinehead. Back to Pinehead. For sure, yeah. So really, I wanted to make something that people used, right? I was learning Visual Basic around that time period, but nobody was ever going to run a little Visual Basic application I made on my computer. So I wanted to do something that people used. And during the process of trying to learn PHP, I was using a site called PHP Builder. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but I got told to RTFM quite a bit. And as embarrassing as it was, I had no idea how to read the manual it was probably the worst part of it. And so, you know, I started pinehead.com and started creating PHP and Linux tutorials. And if you go to the Wayback Machine, you'll see the embarrassingness of all of my <laughs> grammatical typo issues and everything that was associated with that running off of a PC off of my cable modem. <laughs> But that's fantastic. And this Thanks. is still around that same area. Like you were literally basically writing technical education websites. This is like the foreshadowing, right? Of when you were 16, 15, 16? Absolutely. I was 16 years old. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. You grew up and have made no progress in the kinds of things you work on, basically. No, you're... <laughs> <laughs> My grammatical abilities are exactly the same as they were then. <laughs> No, but I joke, but I think it's super cool sort of getting into an educational space and just staying with that and sort of effectively growing up and building it out and just to a different scale. So take us there. Help us connect the dots from your early years educating up until what you're doing today. Oh, absolutely. So around that time period, I decided that computers weren't for me. So I stopped doing it and went to major in finance and economics. I'm so sorry. That is a yeah. tragic story. <laughs> It was honestly to try to avoid all of the math and engineering, only to have to do arguably more math and economics. Oof. Yeah, and then the math and engineering really invaded finance, maybe a little later. A little bit later. That was, yeah, Quantum that was era. a little bit later. But so it went from there, started working at an accounting shop, didn't allow for any creativity, really missed it. Was and that then... like an actual policy? Like it was on a, like on a plaque <laughs> on the wall? Creativity? No creativity? No creativity. Yep, you had yep. people making sure that you weren't being creative. It's one of those things they get crazy about. I don't understand it, right? Creative on numbers. It's almost like they want to do everything in like a generally accepted way and just stick to that. <laughs> hey, creativity is what helps things grow, like bank accounts, right? <laughs> <laughs>
creative numbers. So I, uh, you know, from there to make the kind of migration, I started volunteering. I'd been out of the industry for a while and then started to get a job building financial dashboards for a large sportswear company in Georgia. And from there, I brought back pinehead.tv. .tv. And did. <laughs> did. Doesn't, nothing's on there. That one also you let expire? No, still have it. For sure still have it. The original version of Linux Academy was actually Pinehead Academy, believe it or not. Our little penguin logo, his name's Pinehead. We have a comic about him. It's a whole thing. <laughs> nice. I nice. still use the name. Great, yeah. great. And then started the blog again. And then one day, you know, I just, you know, here's the deal. You know, as all developers know, one of the coolest things about being a developer is playing with the technologies, right? And so you have a project to be able to justify learning new technologies and Obviously, I had an interest in business, and one of the things I've always been passionate about is helping people. Always thought about going down the road of teaching. I admire anybody who can teach and earn such a low salary. I feel like they should be a little bit higher, but you know, wanted to combine all that together. And so to do that, I combined it all together and started LinuxAcademy.com. That's awesome. Including the low salary part? Is that part of it? What you were after? So for sure, no salary <laughs> for several years. Negative salary. Yes, the, the, way the, to go. the glamorous startup life. Yes. So how is Linux Academy different than what you were doing before in Pinehead? What was the step forward? So Pinehead was just a blog. It was just a tutorial blog. Huh. It was really cool because there were so few of them at the time. We'd all link back in Pinehead.com. Pinehead.tv was the same thing. jQuery Mobile, which was the hotness at the time when I started it back up again about six years ago. You know, they started linking to some of the stuff. So what I had thought was, you know, maybe we put it all together and offer a subscription service where our goal is around changing lives through hands-on interactive training. And, you know, I turned it on, I posted it on the blog and the first user signed up March, 2012 at $5 a month. And we had six videos. And in fact, we still have that member as well. That's awesome. Did you get grandfathered into that price? Can I keep paying $5? We've grandfathered everybody in. Really? So we went from... $5 to $7 to $9 to $15 to $19. Obviously, we don't want to overcharge for the value. The goal is to provide high-quality, affordable training by merging online training with in-person self-based training. So I don't really believe in overcharging. So we've had some iterations on that, but he's still $5 a month. We actually still have quite a few on, on legacy pricing. Cool. That's really awesome. It actually reminds me, one of the things I was excited to come on is I tried to sign up back in April of 2012. And I'm not sure my thing went through. I can't get access now. I, I would hope you'd still honor the price for me. <clears throat> Just tell me your password. <laughs> I didn't have login turned on then, so I mean, I don't know. Oh, undercutting my made-up story. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! And so since then, it sounds like it's grown quite a bit. So you started with six videos, and where are you now? So in terms of videos, we're upward 2,000. Holy cow. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the platform has grown. The community, at any given time, we have about 2,500 members active in the community during the day, logged in, participating. We have over a, a million visitors per month. So it's grown. It's no longer just me working so many hours. We actually have 65 people on staff full-time working. So it's definitely a little bit different than it was. And those legacy users, you know, they still participate and it reminds us where we came from, which is super important. That's awesome. And what are most of those people doing? And actually, this may connect. How is the content generated today? So the way that we generate content, we're firm believers in maintaining the expertise, right? So we've actually grown slowly, believe it or not. And it's because every time we bring on a new, what we're calling them now as course authors, is we make sure they're vetted industry experts, right? And so when we bring those on, we keep them on full-time for continuous learning, continuous training, 
Obviously, we go through lots of training here. We love training. But one of the big advantages of that is it allows us to keep our content updated. Agile development processes are great. Kind of horrific if you're training on stuff like AWS and they had over a thousand updates to their platform in 2016. Hmm. And then also our students and members in the community can ask questions. So a lot of times our instructors or course authors, subject matter experts, however you want to word it, are actually helping troubleshoot problems that aren't course related. It's just people that need a little bit of help and they need it quick. So that's how it's created. We kind of go through an entire process. We're actually changing it from single course authors to team of course authors working on the same content because it goes through a lot of vetting and Q&A and, and we have a lot of hands-on environments which make it a little bit harder to build because everything is not just videos. Videos is only about 30% of the actual training component for you. So for our listeners who aren't familiar, walk through the rest, give a little bit of the model. It's obviously a subscription model, but it's not just access to videos. You also mentioned you can ask questions of the authors. Like, What's the overall sort of educational platform? So basically a uh, quick elevator pitch about it then. So really, our goal was to take in-person training and merge it with online self-paced training. So what do you get from in-person training? You usually get study guides. You get hands-on labs. You usually get a virtual environment or lab environment to walk through, whether it's cloud, an AWS environment, Azure environment, Google environment, so on and so forth. And so in order to do that, we had brought in our course authors. We developed the study guides that go along with the course. So you have downloadable items with it. And then we also have the entire hand-based lab platform. So what our course authors are using in their videos are the same thing that you're using within our environment. And then we built something called our course scheduler, which allows you to enter in your daily availability. So let's say that you want to study on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 a.m. Monday, 10 a.m. on Wednesday, and 12 p.m. on Friday. You put in your availability, the number of hours you're available each day, and it tells you exactly what you need to do on each day to meet your goals. So in-person training, you usually accomplish within you know three to five days, depending on the training. And then with that, you can ask questions to your instructor in in-person training, which is why we make our authors and our instructors, subject matter experts available full-time and keep them on staff. So I imagine you get a pretty good mix of people, right? You know, the people here at Stack Overflow were probably a little biased towards the sort of self-sufficient, self-learning programmer or systems administrator. We'll go out, we'll find the content, we'll read it. Maybe we'll watch a video, maybe we'll read stuff. But I have to believe that that's not everybody. And it sounds like a lot of people do benefit from the one-on-one -on -one thing. Am I getting it right? Is that what sort of makes Linux Academy different in this regard? Absolutely not, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not one-on-one. -on -one. It is self-paced. What we've done ah. is we've provided mechanisms and tools for you to have control over your training. So it actually Got is it. very, you can set your own schedule. It's an automated thing. The subject matter experts, our course authors, are just full-time staff members of Linux Academy. Got it. So admittedly, the questions aren't real-time. We've been known to hop in our community Slack channel and have conversations all the time, but you can access us for questions, but it's more of a, I'm going to ask a question and get a response. So it's not real-time one-on-one help. One of the things I always think is interesting when I talk to people that work in any sort of empowerment job or role or volunteer or things, whether it's education, mentoring, when you look back, are there any of those moments that are just super exciting and sort of fulfilling for you and seeing beyond that you've been able to build a business on something you're passionate about, being able to see where you've kind of made a difference because educating young people is just such an interesting kind of field for, I guess, seeing that you've done some good that goes beyond you. Yeah, so do you actually have a minute for me to tell you a story? I'd love to hear a story. I like stories. Are there any Ninja Turtles? I like Ninja Turtle stories <laughs> in particular. 
Uh, I'm going to need to upgrade that story. You know what? You tell your story, and I'll go read my same novel I read over and over again when I get home. It's good. I mean, I can make up a Ninja yeah, Turtle story. Do your thing. Do your some thing. pizza. <laughs> so if you ever come out to our office and you use one of the restrooms, I know, weird thing, but on the mirror, it says, change a life today. Now, it sounds cliche, but the story will kind of show how real we are about that. So there's multiple components. You know, I could tell you a great story about one of my favorites of somebody in New Jersey. His name was Firas, and he owned a food truck, and he didn't have any prior IT knowledge, started studying at Linux Academy, got his LPIC certification, six months later working in the Major League Baseball as a system administrator, right? You know, that's a great life-changing story. You have a lot of people that post in Reddit that say, I studied with Linux Academy, got certifications, and went from a $62,000 a year job to a six-figure job. It's in Reddit. Go search for it. But, you know, my favorite story that solidifies, and as you guys know, running a company that's growing and working on a lot of stuff, there's a lot of issues that you get bogged down with. It's not always sunshine and roses, but we're at reInvent this past year. And a student comes up to me and he says, Anthony, can I tell you my story? And I said, absolutely. In fact, would it be okay if we got this on camera? Sure. So we went behind the curtains at reInvent. And he gives us his testimonial, talks about how he got his certification. Nothing really outside the norm. And we stopped recording. We take it up. You know, we're walking away. And I said, hey, I appreciate you doing that. And he said, Anthony, I really want to tell you my story. And so thinking that we had already just done that, he had my attention. And I said, awesome. So tell me your story. And he said, I was working on a contract project. It was a two-year contract project. And I was here in the country, in the United States, on a work visa. And if my contract ended, I had about six weeks to get another job, or I was going to be deported. And he goes, to follow this up, my wife has a green card, and my son was born in the United States, so my family is here. And he says, my contract was abruptly ended a year early. And so I had about six weeks, and I was put on notice that I was going to be deported. And he said, you know, I, I did about two weeks looking for jobs, didn't get anything. Nobody was responding. I didn't have any interviews. And I came across Linux Academy. And he said, I didn't do anything. And I was the course author for what he took. But he said, I didn't do anything but listen to your voice from the first thing into the morning until I went to bed, doing everything that you said to do, taking your labs. And two weeks later, I had my certification. Now, time was running out. He said, not seven days after getting my certification, I had a job. Wow. And he turns to me and he says, because of you, I was able to keep my family together. Now, that is a story that we talk about all of our staff meetups, but that is why we do what we do. We have a passion for technology. We love it. But if you could do what you love with technology and do good and change people's lives in a way that is not, I mean, technology legitimately changes people's lives, but who would have thought it could change somebody's life in a way like that? You think of using the technology, you know, it changes how I do something during my day to day, but it legitimately kept his family together. I mean, that's why you do it. It's amazing. It's an incredible story. I actually thought you were just going to talk about a guy who was like sort of rich in the valley and then got really rich in the valley because you upgraded his skill. This was better. <laughs> it's interesting because I think there's a funny thing where I think I saw, is it like 150,000 students have taken the course already? So that's just on our platform. We've distributed our stuff through other platforms like Udemy. I mean, we've had well over a quarter million people go through some sort of uh, Linux Academy content. I think it's just, it's interesting stuff like that is there on some level, even when you're obviously very close to it, you know, all these numbers, you think about it all the time. There's something that is infinitely more powerful about hearing, like hearing 250, a quarter million people learn from this feels good, but it's not nearly as like 
powerful and doesn't force reflection in the same way that just hearing one person's individual important story kind of it just brings it home, right? In a way that's awesome. Well, think about it. You open up anybody on the platform to talk to a course author, to talk to a subject matter expert, right? And when you open that up, you open up a lot of conversation. And we will engage on an individual level with each person. And it no longer becomes, I mean, when you think about those numbers, you're only actually thinking about the few that go in there and report passing. I mean, let's be honest, people have failed, right? I mean, you go through content. I never have. I, I don't know what that would be. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when, when somebody fails, it's our job to figure out why. Did we fail them? Was it a study thing? Did we fail them by not helping that? And so we really do focus on the individual. And so when you put those numbers, like a quarter million have gone through it, it really just doesn't even register because it's so focused around that kind of individual experience that goes through it. Yeah. I love these individual stories. So I want to ask a mysterious question. I mean, I don't know if it helps at all that this podcast will not be broadcast until this Monday in public, but I've heard there's a rumor that something big is going to happen, if my math is right, like nine hours from now. Is that true? On or before nine hours from now. On, oh, oh, on or, you're really going to keep like, the very, it could happen at any moment. You don't want to wait too long. Yeah, it won't be longer than nine hours from now. But yeah, we're launching a new product. We're actually calling it our next generation learning platform, believe it or not. But today's the launch day, obviously, from that little hint that you put on there. But we've been working for probably the past year developing this product. And it's gone through a private beta. It's gone through... Uh, different betas with some of our enterprise customers. And we're kind of terming it to this, but we're launching what we're calling our AI, artificial intelligence-based learning platform. It's not going to train you on artificial intelligence, but what the platform does is it is fantastic in terms of data. So, I mean, do you have time to learn something that you already know? Do you have money to pay for training to learn something you already know? It sounds like a question I'd be asked in the matrix if I had time <laughs> to learn something I already know. I'd prefer not to pay to learn anything I already know, I think. I wouldn't like that. No. I'm with you there. I don't want that. So our platform geared around our belief in hands-on training, what it does is I can tell you exactly what you need to know in order to perform a specific task in production, in a production, a real environment, in order to pass a certification. And I can tell you which content will increase your probability of that and by how much. And so the whole entire goal is to basically take micro learning to a whole other level and allow people to save time. I mean, as much as learning new things is fun, the easiest thing in the world to just say, it takes too long to get started. And so we're launching that platform designed around that. It's exceptionally awesome. So it sounds like a mini custom curated curriculum for your specific needs is what it's, what it's doing. Is that right? Similar, but the way that it's being curated is through all of the data for all of our private enterprise customers that have gone through all of that data we're collecting. And then we're making sure that that information that you're being presented is actually valuable to you. So why should you go through a course or a section within a course if it is not actually valuable to what you don't know, right? You only want to learn what you don't know. How does it know what I know? Data. So the first thing that... <laughs> <laughs> Data, data. I love Star Trek. Sorry, it's data for me. So the best part about it is the first thing that happens is, I mean, you can go in through the learning entryway if you want, if you don't know anything. But the first thing that we want to do is figure out what you do and do not know. And we don't believe, believe it or not, in question and answer based questions. I don't think you can accurately gauge that. So our platform deploys out this entire environment with a specific scenario with all of this stuff connected in the back end. And you go through and you perform the job 
that's asked of you, right? Launching within an actual AWS environment. And then what happens is when you're done, all of everything you did in your AWS environment goes into our backend, what we call our assessment engine, or as recently been termed our AI engine. And it goes through what you did, how long you did it, all these other factors, and it compares it with a whole bunch of other stuff and data we have based off of, you know, the really cool thing is, is we're going to be able to tell because of our data if what you're doing is even impactful at all. So, I mean, how do you make sure that your testing data is good data? Lots of nested questions there. And then based off of that, we're going to present you with a set of learning components, learning activities that you need to perform. Each learning activity will equate to what you did not know, teaches you something that you did not do correctly during that assessment. So let me see if I'm getting this right. So the idea is you go and it presents you with a task to do. So solve this problem, do. Can you give us an example of what the task might be? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first challenges is actually associated with our Amazon Web Services Certified Solutions Architect Associate Level Quest. That's a mouthful. But uh, what we're going to be able to do is predict your ability to perform the task as it relates to what that exam expects, but also okay. predict your ability to pass an exam I see, based I see. off of what you do in there. So one of the tasks that you would start off with is going in there and it deploys out an actual AWS environment, gives you a scenario of taking this three-tier application and applying high availability to it, okay. right? Some of the basics without you know, talking too much about certifications because we can't. And then based off of that, it goes and looks at what you did, how long you did it. It has yep. some anti-cheat stuff in there, all that kind of good stuff. Okay. So you give me this problem, which is the kind of thing that I'm expected to know for the certification. I go and do it to the best of my ability. Your system is watching that, analyzing it. And based on how I did compared to everyone else and, and all this other data, it can say, okay, here are the modules that you need to learn more about. That's the idea? Right. Cool. Very cool. The best part is that module it presents you where the data comes in is we can say that this module will increase your probability of passing a certification or performing this type of task in a production environment, if you want to think of this for companies, by X number percent. Got it. Right? And so if it doesn't actually help you, why would we want you to pay to go through that module? You don't have time for that, and it's a waste of money. Got it. Cool. So you can actually predict the effect that this will have and pitch it to me that way. That's neat. Very cool. Absolutely. So how do people get access to this? Assuming it's now Monday and this is live, what do I need to do to get started? Cloudassessments.com. And it's basically the majority of what you're going to be doing getting started is basically free. You're going to be earning a whole bunch of gems. We really want more data than we have. So we're basically going to be giving away a lot of it for free for a while. Even better. So I should get started right now while it's still free because who knows in the future may become slightly less free. I would encourage you to get started now. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, before we thank you for joining us, is there anything else you want to make sure our listeners know about or anything else you want to plug? No, you know, I just want to thank you guys for the community that you provide. And I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about Linux Academy and our new product, Cloud Assessments. Well, thanks for joining us. I will pass your thanks on to each of our 7 million registered users. And we hope to have you back again sometime soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. Which brings us to... The Foundations of Democracy. As our loyal listeners know, we are preparing a constitution for Stack Overflow, and each week we bring a proposal, and you, our listeners, decide on whether that proposal ultimately becomes a part of our new non-binding constitution that doesn't make anyone do anything. Last week's amendment was brought to you by user Dietrich Hatting via Twitter, 
where you can follow him at D-I-E-D-E-R-I-K underscore Z-A. And he was kind enough to convey to me via Twitter that I did not completely destroy his name. Diederik's question was in Markdown when adding to the middle of a numbered list, do you fix the subsequent numbers? You may remember that Pro was, yes, you must correct the numbers and restore the order to the universe. Khan was, why would you bother since the output is identical and time has value? With the result of last week's survey question, here is our returned newsletter, Alana Itzaki. Blit, right down the middle, 50%. Mm, that's a good what? question. Stop it. Yes. So two people yes. responded. Oh. oh. <laughs> just, I just thought more 50, than two people. I just thought 50% seemed if unlikely if no, more than two people responded. See, if you think about it this way, is how many times would you have to flip a coin before it would land on its edge? A lot. That's what happened. It was that many respondents to result in such an outcome. It's the only way. That made absolutely no sense. That, that was the best simile ever. Okay, do we have a best response? Yeah, Ari Porad, at Ari Porad. One, <laughs> add your list item. Two, fix all the other items. Three, vote pro. Four, realize that you're a good person. In list order. Oh, how do you spell Porad? P-O-R-A-D. All Sorry, right. I, I totally messed up your name. We have never had this happen before. A 50-50 split. Does it go into the no. Constitution or not? No. No, because of Bill. Is this like, is there a deciding vote? We is this like the Senate where vote. like if the vice president comes in and, and casts the deciding vote? So no, because if you have a vote that is 49 to 49 and the president of the Senate joined with the, sorry, 49 to 50, joined with the 49ers, which is an idiom that means I see. something yeah, else. Yeah, the bill does not it pass. Does not, you it's got to get 51%. Votes. You need 51 votes. And sadly, we don't have a president of this legislative body who could vote on such an issue. Well, it would be Maybe Joel, Joel, but he's listen. absent. No, Joel is very happy to listen now. He might have already voted. This is the second week in a row we have a constitutional crisis on our hands. <laughs> what, what happened last week? I'm just happy every week it doesn't happen quite officially in the country. So we're good for now. I think, sadly, we must say the bill, Did no, not no, pass. as they does say not, in grand juries, no, tr no true bill. No true bill. <sighs> I'm sorry. Well, let's try again this week. Do we have a new constitution question? We do. And I'm told this week's amendment is brought to us by our very own Jason Punyon, also known on Twitter as at Jason Punyon. That's Jason, like the Argonauts. Punyon, P-U-N-Y. O-N, when reading code, would you pronounce the parentheses in a function call as bananas? Which really makes me think I should read these before we get on the air. Because <laughs> the word bananas appeared a lot sooner than I expected it to in my <laughs> evening or week or really at all this month. So, Matt, perhaps you could elaborate for it us. It took me a second to get what this was about. Okay, so bananas. So you've got lots of symbols in programming. You've got parentheses, as they're properly called. You've got braces. You've got brackets. So method calls in most programming languages have parentheses at the end, one opening and one closing. And if you look at them like that, it looks like a couple of bananas. Oh. So if you need to visualize that to open up something, type an open parenthesis, say close parenthesis. So. And it looks like hanging bananas. Podcast listener. Yeah. And guest of the show, Jason Punyon, posits that these are properly called bananas. We want to put this to our listeners. I'm sorry. I feel it's very important we iron out the technical details of the bill before we put it to a vote. Yes. Okay. Just to be clear, because when I first heard this, it, we're not suggesting that a parenthesis looks sufficiently like a banana to be referred to as such. We're suggesting that the juxtaposition of two parentheses, one opening, one closing, in aggregate form a shape that looks like a single banana. That's oh, actually unclear that's to me. It. No, I think oh. it's bananas, plural. Each of them is a banana. I'm sorry. If you put two parentheses side by side, at least in the default font in the window I currently have open, you could not possibly view them as two no, bananas. No, no. I think they're, I think they're I both bananas. We'll, we'll clarify with Jason, but I think the Constitution question can go forward here. Would you ever 
call them bananas. They were totally crazy. As always, but perhaps more embarrassingly and inanely, even than usual, you may post your answer to Twitter using the hashtag Stack Overflow Podcast with either pro or con, where pro is, yes, I would call them bananas, and con is Jason Punyon is obviously bananas. The best explanation, whether on the winning side or the losing side, but definitely not going to be Jason Punyon, will be read on next week's podcast and win a Stack Overflow sticker, courtesy of the Stack Overflow podcast. You may also, as always, submit your ideas for future constitutional amendments, and one of them might be named after you. To do so, just hit back 30 seconds on your podcast and use the same platform and hashtag I mentioned just a second ago, because my time is important, which... Ah. Okay, that's not the real reason, but it's still, it's reasonable. I feel like it's a valid approach. Which brings us now to something. Jess, Pardue, tell us what's going on. Hi, I made a game for us today. Oh, God. And it is, I like games. Yeah. In it's honor, a complete surprise. It's in honor of David Fullerton being here in the office. Oh, great. It is our episode of Fake News. We've done Fake News once before, where I give you three rounds. Yes. And there's three. Uh, yeah. This game is fixed, and I hate it. Because, <laughs> Jay, you're so good at it. Thank you. But now that Joel's not here, you might, you know, come in third. <laughs> <laughs> that so... was the meanest, truest thing you've ever said to me. So we're going to have an episode of Fake News, and I want to delete it so Alana could play along. And today, in honor of David, it's all going to be about Florida Man. Oh, no. oh this is impossible. They're yes. all going to sound so true. I'm going to have three. So longtime listeners yeah. are obviously familiar, but I recently moved to Florida, which is why we are <laughs> proceeding to make fun of Florida. <laughs> there is a lot to make fun of. I've seen all of it, having only lived there for about four weeks. People joke, but they call it the mosquito skate out of respect. <laughs> yeah, I've already learned one surprise in Florida, which is where I grew up, when you have a house... Insect control is a thing you call you call the bug guy when you've got a major problem. In Florida, it's a subscription plan. Mm. You pay a subscription, and they just come all the time and spray for bugs because you're basically living in a swamp. I thought you just kept the mosquitoes as pets. That's the other option, but we're going with a subscription plan. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so the game is going to be three rounds of three headlines each. Two of the headlines are real, and one of them is fake news. So you can tell me which one you think is fake news. It's going to be the failing New York Times. That's the fake news. Yeah. Okay. okay. So round one, and all of these happen in Florida. Some of them start with Florida man. Some of them don't. Right. But right. Um, all of them happen in Florida. Okay. Got it. So round Except one. Except for the ones that didn't happen because they're fake. Correct. Yes. So number one, Shakira attacked by sea lion, blackberry mistaken for fish. That's one headline. Yep. That's from the Hollywood Review in 2012. There's semicolon in the headline? There is a, I see. There's it, a it colon goes, in the headline. It goes together. The implication is that Shakira was attacked by a sea lion because Blackberry was the mistaken Blackberry was fish. mistaken as a fish. It's hard to really determine a causal relationship between sea lion behavior well, presumably and Presumably they, they interviewed the okay. sea lion afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure there's a fact check. Yeah. Okay. So number two, Florida man robs convenience store brandishing alligator as weapon. And that's the Tampa Tribune, 2010. Say that one more time. Florida man robs convenience store brandishing alligator as weapon. Right, right. Okay. Yep. Pretty sure I've seen that. Okay. Cool. Okay. So that's two. And the third one is Florida man eats underwear to beat breathalyzer. And that's the mm. Red Deer Advocate, 2005. Well, I'm sure that one's definitely happened. I just don't know <laughs> if it's been reported in the news. Okay. I know which one. Okay. Which one is it, Jay? Is everyone locked in their answer? Yeah, wait, we all got to decide on our answer before we're influenced. 
Okay. Clearly number one, Shakira's hips don't lie, but that headline does. <laughs> wow. I, I also, agree. I, I would have seen it on my regular weekly Shakira RSS feed update from Google. <laughs> well, it happened in I'm 2012. Going, so. If it happened, I'm going with the breathalyzer. Okay. I am going with Shakira. I think that's a. I think that's a lie. The reason I think it's a lie is that it is so literary and rich in story that uh, like just wrote it. Somebody made it up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, thanks. I need your answer in the form of a pun. I'm just kidding. What about you? Alana? I'm going with Shakira. Okay. You're all wrong. What? Oh, it was the alligator. Florida man robs convenience store brandishing alligator as weapon. And see, so yeah, here's, here's why that's I made up. Sworn I've seen I that. looked for that and I couldn't find one. The reason that's made up is that happens often enough that they don't report it's it. It's not even news anymore. I was sure the joke of this was going to be that they're all real news because in Florida it's that easy to produce that. There nonsense. There are some really ridiculous yeah. ones. There's so many websites out all right. there. That next are just next for round. Man. Next round. Let's do okay. this. We got to recover our, our dignity here. Okay. Round two. Number one. Gainesville man boils over in noodles argument, later arrested. <laughs> boils over in noodles argument. Yeah. This, is, this is a reference to the noodles incident in Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> no, no, you're missing it because boils over can mean your water or like it's an idiom for your madness. It's yeah, no, I got that much. Okay. It's a lot got funnier it. when and Jay explains it. Noodles, got it. It wasn't funnier. I, liked, I thought it was funnier when you. Okay. That's the Independent Florida Alligator 2014. That's the name of the... Newspapers, the independent Florida alligator. Sure. Got it. Right. Okay. Of course. So number two, Florida man arrested for public intoxication after filling spray fan with Everclear. Oh. You know, the that spray made, fans. That, sure. That, okay. Yeah. Right. Right. That's like the a, Daily like, Mail in 2004. Got it. Got it. And the third one, Florida men attack ice cream man who wouldn't take $20 bill for pickled sausage. That's news Lots 13. Lots to unpack there. Yep. 13 and So luckily we have a primary source here. Is that a... Typical item to be sold by ice cream men or women in ice cream persons in Florida, the pickled sausage? Because I've actually talked to people who live there who didn't even know that ice cream people sell ice cream. <laughs> what? My world is just unraveled. This is like, okay. Actually, I haven't even seen an ice cream truck in Florida yet. Too hot to drive anywhere in Whereas Florida. Whereas in New York, during the summer, an ice cream truck passes approximately every 33 seconds. Because we are the city that's full of joy. Okay. Uh, is that a Battlestar Galactica reference or no. Did I make an unintentional Battlestar Galactica reference? Yeah, well, I think it was every 34 minutes or something. Cross that off your bingo card. Oh, the yeah. season two, episode one, or whatever. That, uh, that's a great. Oh. Right. Okay. okay. So that's the have... best episode of Battlestar Galactica. Oh, we, oh, we got a vote. Again? Okay. Boils yeah, over in it's the noodles. Okay. Boils over pun. Gainesville man boils over in noodles argument, later arrested. Right. Number right. two is about the spray. The Everclear spray. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you think? It is known. I'm going to say the spray fan Everclear is fake news. It's extraordinarily specific about how some guy got drunk for even a ridiculous Florida newspaper. I actually think that that one is true. I, again, I just don't know whether it would even be newsworthy. I'm going with Gainesville, the, the noodles argument. Okay. I, like, I love the Gainesville one. I think it's real. I think uh, number two, because it's just too boring okay. to be news. And you, Alana? Once upon a time, I may have put tequila in a little water gun. <laughs> so I want to say that's true, but I also think that's a little... Did it work? Did it Ooh, stop tasting like tequila banana. when you drank it then? Or? At that point, it doesn't okay. even taste like <laughs> okay. okay, so you're going with... Two, yeah. Okay. I said one. So the 
Florida man arrested for public intoxication after filling spray fan with Everclear is the fake news. Yes! Okay, good. I am not losing right this second. I'm just Everyone, going on record. I'm one on one. Everyone I except so David is tied. 100% sure that that has actually happened in Florida. Yes. It yes, just has not made not the, the news. Question. Yes. All right, so I'm losing. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to so redeem myself three. in round three. All right. Last one, last one. Okay, number one. Florida man attacks bank teller with plastic lightsaber after she refuses to take his check. That's okay. News 4, Orlando, 2014. Great, great. Okay. Yep. Number two. Florida man attempts to leave store with chainsaw stuffed down his pants. <laughs> the Newport Richie patch, also in 2014. Right, And right, the okay. third one is Florida man convicted of burying ex-reporter in concrete for his Magic the Gathering collection. New York Daily News, 2014. What? <laughs> that one got dark. Are we to understand that this person died? Unclear. I think that he killed another person by burying him in concrete in order to steal his magic. The gathering. Is it, wait, collection. is it clear? You're implying he was buried in concrete alive, which I'm, is different than is hiding a body. In, terrifying. I'm gonna that no, one might be real. I and... I might need to leave Florida if that one's real news. <laughs> okay, so we have lightsaber, lightsaber, chainsaw in his chainsaw pants, and not, magic. Not the gathering. Euphemism. I'd just like to go on and... record saying, well, I miss. Beloved co-host Jen Schiffer's dry wit. I'm glad she's not here to denigrate Star Wars at this moment. Please send all hate mail. No, to no. <laughs> and like care of Stack Overflow. Ah, uh, this one's tough. I know mine. All right, I'll go. Okay. I'm gonna say that if the Magic the Gathering one were real, they would have said something like Florida Mana commits crime, or they would have been a better pun uh... on 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 Mana. I think the Magic the Gathering. Hopefully not buried alive. My God, in concrete <laughs> is fake news. Okay, what about you, Matt? I think chainsaw. Similar to my previous arguments, chainsaw in one's pants. Dumb, plausible, but not news. How do you carry a chainsaw around in your hands are full? I am, like Jay, going with the ex-reporter buried in concrete. Okay. I'm, I'm also going to go for that one. You're all wrong. What? Oh, the, uh, the lightsaber? lightsaber? The, the plastic lightsaber? lightsaber? is the fake news. Oh my gosh, I got all three wrong. All of the real ones, I took verbatim from headlines. Wow. Wait, I'm pretty sure I just not lost. Is that not correct? That's correct, isn't it? The, the lightsaber one is the fake news. No, no, I mean... I believe you scored one point. You did not lose. You didn't win, but he didn't lose. No, did anyone score more than one point? David lost. Perfect. I got, Everybody I got zero. else won, and did, David lost. Did anyone get more than one point? Nope. <laughs> this was a tough one. This one was really tough. This is a good game. Like Florida, Florida fun, everything though. is plausible. That's the problem. All of these were plausible. I would also like to point out that literally while we were playing this game, fellow Florida man, Dave Haney. You live there now. Call him a Floridian. Fellow Florida man. The expression is Florida man. Sent me a headline from the news in his area saying, Florida men hang out on roof during thunderstorm, unsurprisingly get hit by lightning. <laughs> well... Depends on the unsurprising depends on who who it is. I'm sure they were plenty surprised. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. The observer. See, this is like, I don't know. This unsurprising is, to the observer. The Ben Franklin gets hit by lightning on purpose. We all think he's a genius. Florida men do it. We ridicule them. We look down our noses. That's a very good point. It's the soft bigotry of prejudice against Florida men or something. Okay. That game still stinks because I'm not good at it, but I like it better because David is the worst. Which should bring us to... Google 
glass came out five years ago, but it was not a success. True. It was prohibitively expensive, raised privacy concerns, and had an overall unhip reputation. However, this what? week, X, a subsidiary of Alphabet, announced that there are now more than 50 businesses using a newer version of Glass to speed up tasks in the workplace, mainly in the manufacturing and logistics industry. Fake news. I'm going to oh. go fake news. So this, <laughs> no one wants that. So this is Google just trying to salvage a little bit of pride here because I don't know how this struck everyone else, but more than 50 businesses oh sounds God. to me like... Like Don't, something that we would like feel proud 51 of. 51 businesses. Wait, not but, even. But for Google, <laughs> this is... Do they sound on... like that in the, like in the press release? Like a little kid. Like, well, more than five people. This is like we saw this on so many levels. So first and foremost, if your number is more than 50, and by the way, implied by more than 50 is fewer than 60, I have a question why the organizer of all the world's information cannot get to that number within one integer accuracy. Like, it seems like they should know if it's 52 or 57. Furthermore, anything Google has done that has achieved 50, I recognize, not people, 50 companies, I am just, color me, that's not a product. <laughs> There's also 50 businesses using it could mean 10 people in the company use it. I mean, well, it could one... mean somebody showed up one day with one of these. Um, and you could say the company is using it. it. It implies that somewhere at Google, there's like a giant board that is the official record keeping of Google's overall net <laughs> success. And on one like a side, whiteboard. they're tally, right. tallies. Yeah, they could do it. They don't need a digital version of we that. Got Somebody, 50, you know, it's like, we got the 50, guys. Send out the press release. Oh, no, I'm thinking on one side, it's like Gmail, search. On the other <laughs> side, they've got Waze. They've got Google Reader, and they're like, you wait, put another thing on Waze that is side great. of the board, Q, and we have to Q. fire Wait, 5%. wait, wait. Waze is great. You mean Wave. Uh, oh, Wave. That's right. That's yes. Right. I mean Google Wave. Thank you. Is Google Waze that weird traffic thing that tells me every time someone eats a sandwich it's near the Google. road? I'm yes, but it's no. Waze. Google it's owned Waze. by Google. Google oh, it is Waze. Yes. Yes. Oh. Google yes. Waze is the wonderful mapping no. thing that also tells you when there is a car stopped on the side of the road or right. a red light camera that you don't care about. Or... Google Waze. It was made by an Israeli company. Google Waze tells yes. you when a car nine up from you in traffic has changed the radio station. It is so <laughs> yes. full of random wacko tells you noise about what's happening on the road. Because the users can... Put there the is, information in. Right, what it tells you is there's yes. a car near you in which there is somebody bored in the passenger seat. It's astounding how much unhelpful information they have added to whatever was supposed to be helpful in that app. I don't but know. But what's brilliant is what Google did is they bought that. Well, now we're just changing the news item completely. But Google <laughs> bought Waze. <laughs> the other one's so silly. Google bought Waze and made a big deal about we're going to allow them to remain independent. Because Google didn't actually want the Waze app. They just wanted to suck all the data out of the Waze app and use it to improve Google Maps. Got it. Yeah. So, so they leave all the boring information, and then they use the traffic information to improve Google Maps. I Jess and one. I actually met during trivia, and one of the rules was that if you played trivia, you weren't allowed to wear the Google Glass. There were uh -huh. some people that Did, were trying to cheat. You actually had a problem with this. There's enough yeah. of those in the world that people— Oh, there really? was one person who used to come in and wear it during trivia, and the rule was <laughs> he had to take it off. Playing. Was it Robert Scoble? Because to my understanding, he's the only <laughs> yeah. person that ever purchased that product. Let's be clear. So I assume that the bar that this happened in is counted as one of the 50 companies using Google. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, they must be using it. There's an express prohibition in their bylaws for trivia. I was it. actually very excited about Google Glass until I went to Google I.O. like the year or two after it was released and saw about 100 people wearing it. That was the moment I knew that this product is doomed. Yeah. I remember trying it on. When I first saw it, I was like, that's a segue. It seems like cool technology. It seems like it's going to advance something. And there's something too weird, too creepy, too off about it. 
but I'm I'm like the target. Like I, I'm like I'm gonna like that. It's gonna be cool for me. And I tried it on. Everything about it was stressful and annoying. I hated the interface. I hated where I had to look. I hated how uncomfortable it made me. I hated wondering if other people were wondering if I was videotaping them. Ugh, ugh. So Google's theory here is no. that supposedly they're, figure out how to. they're trying to reposition this as a business thing. And they're saying in manufacturing and logistics, the idea is that people are wearing these for their job. And it's a little screen that tells them how to do their job. Well, you know, maybe you work in a warehouse and it can identify the products you're looking at or do inventory for you, maybe something like that, which seems far-fetched. The lesson I'm taking here actually is, you know, what Jay just said about this product, no normal human would do it. But just because no normal human would use this thing doesn't mean you can't put it in enterprise software. <laughs> and so that's they got what... a checkbox that says, has Google Glass no one wants? And the other guy doesn't have that checkbox. Exactly. Exactly. Deal. So they turned it into enterprise hardware in this case <laughs> because no normal person. Let that be a lesson to you. If you have a startup and your product is failing, pivot to enterprise. That's right. Always. You can sell to at least 50 companies and be as successful as Google. <laughs> Always. My own custom eyewear to help people know how to do their job is just a pair of sunglasses on which I have knocked out one lens. And the other one I took white out and wrote, do your job. And it was less <laughs> freaky and distracting than Google Glass. But I bet I can't get more than approximately 50 companies to use it. I bet it, you could get 50 people brand. to do that. I bet you could. Well, you've gone and wasted yet another hour of your life listening to Stack Overflow podcast number 112, recorded Thursday, July 13th, 2017 at Stack Overflow headquarters in New York City. This podcast has been brought to you by Stack Overflow channels, where you can unlock the power of your entire team's knowledge without ever having to see their actual jerk faces. And Pandora Premium, which may well be right that Shake It Off is Tay Swift's best song, but dead wrong in its apparent belief that it's her only one. Our audio engineer is Carlos Hernandez. Audio editor is David Greenlee. Technology concierge is Michael Rosa. Producer is Jess Pardue. Executive producer is Caitlin Pike. On behalf of Anthony James, Matt Sherman, David Fullerton, Ilani Itsaki, and Joel's aspirational DJ alter ego, DJ Spooky, I am your host, Jay Hanlon. Have a better than average day. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Ring, 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 ring. Banana pole. Like real no, time? it was the other day. This tweet is bananas. Onion said that the data team meeting was bananas, and Kevin responded, "Was just like no, because apparently they probably had some sort of horrible conversation about bananas in the data team meeting." And then I think Onion said, "Well, you manage the bananas, so you're the bananager." I started that tweet. Yeah, <laughs> I laughed so much that night. I actually made this thing that said "bananager" and put it on Kevin's door. And he was not happy about it. I blamed it on Joel. Can we not put Bananager on Kevin's picture on our team page and just do that and not tell him? We how could long it make takes? this happen. Only we had somebody on the inside. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't want him to feel singled out or like picked on. So maybe we should also change all of them Picks to product like a banana? bananagers as well. So it's like it's <laughs> kind of, this is a broad-based policy, yeah. man. Product like bananagers. it's not about you. We're talking about bananas and you don't want him to feel picked. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's I'm out. I'm Listen, out. there's a, out. I got a bunch of problems with that, Matt. I do. <laughs> Which should bring us to. 
a noise that would happen when I press a button that says news <laughs> if it works. <laughs> I have never felt so weak in my whole life, and that is saying something. Recorded the new sound, even though you can't hear it in your headphones. <laughs> ah, love that. I, love that. So, wait, just out of curiosity, so like then me hitting it a he thousand hit it like 30 times, times yeah. was not all that useful.